This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. Without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition. Thanks for joining us. Decided to be along with you. I'm Matt Moore, senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson. We'll be going over quite a few things today. We'll talk about the fallout for the Jamal Murray injury and what that means to the Western Conference title odds. We'll take a look at division odds and where we think the best value is as we round into the last quarter of the season. Just 20 games left in the NBA regular season. And we'll take a look at questions like, Exactly who has just screwed us over the most this week, and thanks for nothing. And what do we want to go back and bet on Back to the Future? All that and more on the NBA podcast. Do you want to remind you that today's broadcast is brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, and that you should download our app, the Action Network app, right now to get all of our picks, analysis, and more. It's the best way to track your bets. It's the best app you're going to find. You're going to use it all the time, I promise you. Download the Action Network app today all right boys you guys ready to get started let's do it let's get it all right let's start with our marquee the marquee you can hear the chatter from the crowd we got two things in the marquee this week because we had to cover the unfortunate news of the jamal murray injury i have talked about this a lot i've been on denver radio five times i think in the last day um i have done two podcasts on the subject i have uh given a lot of thoughts in other places about it, but haven't really touched on the betting implications. Raheem, let's just start here. What's the biggest move in terms of value for you in the Western Conference after Murray's injury? I think you have to really take the the Clippers. I mean, I'm seeing plus 700s around on the Clippers to win the finals, plus 350 to actually win the the West. Actually, I think it's plus 275 at, um, at BetMGM. But to me, that eliminates one contender. I mean, I think there were like four contenders in the West. I mean, you look at the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz. And if you want to include the Suns, you know, fine. But I, I think right now that the Clippers are just in such a good position because they're going to be a favorite over any other team except for the Lakers. So it's, it's just – I like the Clippers. I just think that the line is way too low um, – they're, they're going to be a favorite over the Jazz. It's going to be a pick'em series against the Lakers. To me, they have, and I think the Nuggets were a team that could have caused them some problems because, you know, obviously they have Aaron Gordon now who can guard one, you know, some of their wings. But I, I think they have a free path other than the Lakers. Okay, so I guess here's a here's a good question, uh, Brandon. Let's go to you. Where do you think the best value is? Let's let's get your view, and then I'll come back to Raheem on. The Clippers. Where where do you think the value is after Jamal Murray's injury? Yeah, so I have not been on five Nuggets radio stations and podcasts and talking about Jamal Murray nonstop the last couple of days. But I was out for a walk last night and just kind of processing. I think I was listening to the Zach Flow, uh, uh, his short podcast about Jamal Murray and just kind of processing how what this means and it, it it sucks it sucks for everyone it sucks for jamal murray it sucks for the nuggets 
it sucks for fans. I think the Nuggets were one of the most entertaining teams to watch. Um, it, it sucks for Denver's future because of the timing of this and what it's going to mean for next season and like next year's futures and all of that. And um, for me, you know, we just, we, we hyped Denver a lot in the last couple of weeks when, when we were doing like our Western conference odds and Western finals odds, they were, I think our favorite sleeper team. I think their team, all three of us were really on. So it, <laughs> I think because of that, as an, as a sports fan, like I grew up a Minnesota sports fan. So it is ingrained within my soul to expect the worst today. By the time you have listened to this, Manchester City playing in its Champions League game for the umpteenth year in a row will undoubtedly have choked again in the quarterfinals. It's what we do every year because it's my team and it's what my teams do every time. And so I find my sense of sports nihilism creeping in where I just expect the worst to happen. So here's the worst. I'm looking at the standings. I see the Nuggets just falling out of things. Uh, I, I do think that people will tend to overrate how much this affects the regular season standings. I, I don't know that Denver is going to fall off so much there. I think they're going to underrate how much it just kills off the playoff chances. Maybe they can win a series, depends on the matchup. They're out on finals and championship. It's, it's, I don't care what odds you're giving me. I just I can't take it without Jamal Murray. And But if I look at that and look at the fact that the Lakers have, been, have gotten a few key wins this week, and suddenly you look at the standings, and I kind of think Lakers-Nuggets is going to be the 4-5 matchup. The Lakers have separated themselves a little bit from the Blazers. The Mavs are like four games back from L.A. And suddenly the Lakers have real reason to actually make sure they get that 4-5 matchup if that matchup is, in fact, Denver. Neither one of those teams is going to pass up the teams above them, and they now have real incentive to not drop down because the Lakers – the Lakers can just coast for two months, let their only two players that matter rest and do nothing for two months, and then just sweet spot their way right into a 4-5 matchup against the Nuggets without Jamal Murray because it's the Lakers, and the Lakers always get what they want, and they get the first round by, and they get the Jazz in the second round, and it's the Lakers, and on they go. So I think the Lakers are the big winners because it's the Lakers, and the Lakers are always the big winners, and hooray for sports nihilism. Now you're speaking my language, Brandon. Now we're on the same page here. This is how I feel. This is how I feel. I'm like, of course. Like, of course it's happened to the, to the Denver Nuggets. You know, everybody's like, oh, man, the Lakers. Oh, what a tough time that they've had in the regular season that they didn't care about anyway when they'll be totally fully healthy for the playoffs. So, I mean, like, I guess this is the thing is, are we back to the original question of that we were at, I think, last year, which is who do you like Clippers or Lakers? Like, I think that's going to be like the question that you reach now. Um, <clears throat> I like the Jazz a little more after the injury, because I think that this increases the odds that let's say that Denver slides to the four. Um, and the clippers wind up in the five or the blazers like go on a run and make it into the five i like i do i think that the nuggets can beat the clippers without jamal murray no would it be the most insane thing no because the matchup problem is still there with Jokic. like that's still, still gonna be an issue but the biggest thing is just like if the jazz wind up having to face the nuggets i'm no longer concerned for the jazz because as good as Jokic is against them they needed murray to be able to counter the drop scheme and without Murray, that fundamentally changes that matchup. Um, mm -hmm. I like the Jazz a little bit more, but not enough to bet them. 
I think we, you know, we look at the, at the odds of bet MGM Lakers are plus 160. The Clippers are plus 275. The Jazz are plus 400. And the Suns are plus 800. If you're looking for value, I think it's got to be Phoenix just because you're getting eight to one on a team that's proven it can beat the good teams that is solid overall, that can defend, that has big time scores, that has guys that can hit tough shots, that has defensive versatility. They can play Sarich at the five. Like the, the Suns check all the boxes. It's just like, yeah. do you see Chris Paul and Devin Booker outplaying LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers? in a series and the answer is probably no. Um, so that, that I think becomes a question. This is once again, where I wish we had odds on to make the Western conference finals. Like how much do you weigh my fault? I'm sorry to cut you off. No, how, much do you weigh play, how much do you weigh playoff experience? Because I think that's going to be the big topic when it comes to the Suns, other than Chris Paul, obviously, and, and Jay Crowder. So, you know, I, I, I used to, to value it quite a bit, but then, you know, the Nuggets came in and beat the Spurs in the seven-game series their first year out and took the Blazers to seven in the second-round series. And then last year, they made the Western Conference Finals with only those two series under their belt. So it's like, you know, I think, I think sometimes we tend to... I think there's a, another variable that we ascribe to experience. Like, we talk about the experience when in reality, it's just like, no, players that have been in the league longer are better. <laughs> Like yeah. if you've been in the league longer, you're better than, than yeah. you are when you're younger. Like you have to add more skills and add more um, go-to moves and, and, you know, add more physicality and be in better shape and all these things. So I think sometimes I wonder if that, if there are more factors involved than experience that look like experience on the top of the table. Um, mm-hmm. The sons of physicality, they have good leadership and Chris Paul Booker mm-hmm. can obviously go off any night. I think there's a little bit of concern for me in terms of Booker being a little bit of a Jimmy Butler where I'm worried that he's going to go off for 40 in one game and the next have like 17. Like he's a consistent scorer, but I'm just like a little bit worried that like he's going to in the playoffs. He's going to have to put up like 30 plus every night. Like that's just, he's going to have to. Um, so that's, I think that's a question. All right. So Raheem, if it's Clippers Lakers, like you're looking at the value in the Clippers, if it's Clippers Lakers though, let me rephrase this. Is the better angle maybe to be take the take the Clippers at the longer odds and then bet the Lakers in the series? Um, see, if I'm taking the Clippers with the longer odds, I got to let it play out because I believe that series is a pick em series. Okay. And I believe I'm going to have the best of the number at that point. Um, I think Brandon kind of hit on something, you know, about how everything lined up for the Lakers. Um, it just kind of reminds me of, you know, how things lined up for the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, the week before the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, you have, you know, a barber, you know, bringing in COVID. You have the left tackle going out. And it just kind of feels like this is how it plays out for the Lakers. But it's just when I look at the basketball reasons behind it, I feel like the Clippers are the only team that can definitively beat the Lakers. Um, so I just like, I think if I'm getting plus 275, you know, on them to win the conference – and I know that they're going to be a favorite against everybody. I got to let it play out. So here's an interesting thing I asked last uh, year before the bubble. <clears throat> I asked bookmakers, I said, would the Lakers, who would be favored in a Western Conference final series in LA? And they said, they all said Lakers by slight favorites. Like it might be yeah. like minus 150, minus 175. Um, minus 125 even is low. 
Mm-hmm. And then I asked about if they were on neutral court. And they said Clippers. Because essentially every Clippers home game in a Western Conference Finals is still an away game. So like this is part of the factor that they're weighing in there is the Clippers do not have home court advantage when they face the Lakers in a playoff series. Like that's, that's part of the equation. However, for me, I look at that and I go, wait, wait, wait. so on neutral court, you think the Clippers are better. And I wonder if this year they're going to have to make the Lakers a favorite because otherwise their numbers will be completely out of whack. Like if you do not make the Clippers, the Lakers a favorite, then everybody's going to hammer them. If you make it a pick them, everybody's going to, and you're, you're, you're out of balance, mm. right? You're not going to get enough yeah. short money coming in on the Clippers in that series to, to overcome it. I don't think so. If the Lakers are a favorite, the question is, you're not going to get 275 on the, like we agree, like you're not going to get 275 on the Clippers in the series, but I do wonder um, if you might go the opposite way and bet the Lakers to win and then bet the Clippers in a series, knowing if the, like, the Clippers can get there, they're the one team that can bet them, that can beat them, right? And then you eliminate the risk of the Clippers just like doing what they did last year, which is completely falling on their face versus the Suns or the Jazz or like just Clippersing it up. Like, you know what? That makes sense. They, yeah. That so like, that's sense. my, my okay. question is like, is like, will we rather go Lakers at plus 160 when we're still getting a plus number mm-hmm. and then bet Clippers in the series when they're a dog? And the only series where they would be a dog, and the only reason they would be a dog in that series is because we know the public will hammer the Lakers. Brandon, what do you think about that? I think that it makes sense in theory, but I'm having a hard time finding the profit on it because, like, so so the Clippers are going to be a plus number. So you're taking the Lakers at plus 160 now, and maybe you're hoping for the Clippers at plus 160 as a series underdog or somewhere in that range. But, you know, so you've got equal money on both sides there if you're getting those numbers I don't know I here's my thing with the Clippers we've been over this before but I I just to me it's not about the that the Clippers are the one team that can beat the Lakers in the west I think the teams that can beat the Lakers are in the east I think that full strength I could see maybe any of the top three east teams potentially beating the Lakers certainly I could see the Nets beating them I think if the Lakers are healthy, then they make the finals. I think if they're not, then they don't. I think if the Lakers are healthy, they are a, a definite favorite to me, a clear favorite to me against the Clippers or anyone else in the West. I don't think that's a coin flip to me. And I don't think that the odds would represent what I would want there. So to me. Question, question. I got to cut you off. Sure. What, what, what would you make the line? Like, I mean, clip, I mean and, and just game by game. What would you make the line, Lakers? I mean, am, am I making the line what I actually think it is, or am I making the line what the books have to do because of all the Lakers' money coming in? What the books have to do? I mean, I, I think, well, it's not on a neutral court. It's on a home court because the Lakers are the home court, whoever is the home court, as Matt just said. So I, I think to me, like four or five points. Like I, That's insane. I just think the Lakers – Here's the thing. I think the Lakers, the Clippers, I don't trust them to have an answer for Anthony Davis and the matchup problems there in the playoffs. And I, I still think 
we're, we're hanging on to this idea of what Kawhi Leonard is based on like these very specific games and matchups when he's had a lot of other ones that haven't hit that. And I don't trust the Clippers. Every time I look at them, every time I write about them, their metrics are they're number one in the league in three-point percent, number one in the league in free throw percent. Everything else just very underwhelming. I just if the shots don't fall, and we just saw last year what happens when the shots suddenly don't fall, I don't know what else is there to drag them to the top. If you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, there's a hundred other things you can do if the shots aren't falling. You can just mash on the boards. You can ramp up the defense. You can win games other ways. You can win ugly games in the playoffs. If the shots don't fall for the Clippers, how are they winning games other ways? I don't, I don't see enough solutions for them to beat the Lakers in a head-to-head series. So on Christmas, when, you know, when the Lakers actually had their team, they were only a two-point favorite. Yeah, I mean, that's where the line should be. It should be – like the line's going to be one and a half, two, three max, if that. Like I would make it two. Like almost I, every single game. Here's the other thing I will say: if if you make the if you make them too big of favorites, like if, if they hang a number, I think above three, I think the I, th- I do think the sharps come in too much on the other side. Like I think I think you wind up. Yeah, you, you I know, do too. You'll, you'll be, I, 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 I do live. too. I might have. I put it at four or five because I want the money on the Clippers because I think the Lakers are going to win. That's exactly. I, I agree with you. But I think that, but then, then like that—that's that's way too high just from a power rating perspective. Like if yeah. you, if if you speak to anybody who has a model, they're going to have this close to like one. Oh, I agree. Two. I, I so totally it's just agree. like honestly, if you made the Clippers f- like four point dogs, I would have like almost <laughs> five six figures on it. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> can we can we bet on it now? Can we bet on it between us now? Because like I want to bet that it's I want to bet that it's two. That's my, that's mine. It'll be two. Yeah. It was like, it, it's, I think it's a point. I think it's a point and a half in the model. Mm. And then I think it's another half a point based off of the expectation that the Lakers, like they, they, I, I have talked to the bookmakers about this. Like they do give the Lakers an extra bump because they know that no matter what, they're such a public team that they're just going to get money. Mm. Like they get between a, they get between a half a point and a point just based off of that like i do i don't know whether it's a point and a half or a point right so it might be it might be it might be one with an extra one bump of popularity but i would bet that it winds up being two it may close two and a half right because i feel like in a playoff environment you're gonna get so much action it'll go to two and a half and then they still have to worry about hanging three but that to me is probably what i think it winds up that i think it would be two so so here's my question that's the game one line What's the game six line? What's the game seven line? When, when the series has progressed, let's say it's game six and it's it's three two, either either team. Um, is the line when Anthony Davis is missing because he's falling down too much, or is it the next game? That's no. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're, we're betting against Anthony Davis. We're not betting on the Clippers. I, I'm fine betting against Anthony Davis. I think that's a very good position to take with the injuries right now. Right. I'm just not betting on the Clippers. So I will return you to, you, you know where I'm going to take this conversation if we're trying to build like the best position. You know where I'm going to go. Finals matchup. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, let's, like, we just, I'm, I keep going back to this. I'm sorry. I could still get Nets Lakers at 350, right? So I can get Nets Lakers at 350 and then bet the, the Clippers as, as, as dogs in the series. So like that's, that I think is pretty good. Or we can go the other way and bet Nets Clippers 
as the series, as the finals matchup. And then bet the Lakers at a pretty small minus number to win the series if it's Lakers Clippers. So I don't know. I think there's ways to build your position. Um, let's move on. And we're going to talk about the second thing in our marquee this week. We are, we're, we're, we're digging for EV. That's what we're doing in this segment is we're digging for value. And I brought this up to the guys and they agreed that at this point in your futures conversations, before we know what the playoff seedings are, before we get to the end of the regular season, et cetera, the best thing for you to, there's still a lot of value, I think, with divisions. And so we want to go through a few divisions and talk about um, where the value is. The big game on Wednesday as we record this is Nets Sixers on Wednesday night. The winner wins tiebreaker, which is if you follow me on Twitter at HB Basketball, you know that uh, 100%, like I think that those things really wind up mattering. If you wind up tied, that's going to wind up determining whether or not you get the one or the two, which is a big, big differential. Uh, It's Brooklyn on the back-to-back, so it's not expected for Kevin Durant not to play. The Sixers are a seven-point favorite in this game. We're not going to preview this game because of when this podcast will be coming out. But right now, I'll give you the division winner status. Um, and, and you can listen to these numbers. And then if you listen to this after that net Sixers game, you can look at where the numbers move to on the division and try and weigh that into your analysis. Um, right now, the Nets are the favorite at minus 125. The Sixers are plus 100. Um, the Celtics are plus 25,000. And the Knicks are plus 50,000 to win the division. We can go ahead and remove the Celtics and Knicks. So, Raheem, let's start with you. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and start calling you our East Coast correspondent. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I like that. The Nets, your land, minus 125. The Sixers are plus 100. I I tend to look a little bit more towards the Sixers here, uh, but I can be swayed another way. What do you think on these lines? I'm on the Sixers. I mean, I think, I mean, you said it all. The Sixers are seven point favorites against the Nets tonight. And this is the third and final game. So if the Sixers win this game, they're going to, you know, win the tiebreaker. Um, We don't know if Kevin Durant is playing. We don't know if Kyrie Irving is playing, obviously. Um, I mean, right now, their big three is like kind of out of commission because Harden's still out with a, a hamstring strain. Kyrie is missing time for personal reasons. Like we know that the Nets aren't really taking the regular season that seriously in the way that the Sixers are. So I just think the Sixers have the edge. Um, they're probably going to win this game tonight. So I, I think at the plus 100, I think this is mispriced. I think the Sixers have the edge for the regular season. Um, they're healthier. Um, and B's playing really well since they came back, since he came back. So you got to take the Sixers. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. 
Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. All right. So here's the number. Here's the question. What number do you think the Sixers lose value at? Like what number would it have to get to? I think once it gets to the, once you're laying like 130, 140, 150, I think that's when it's, you know. Okay. Okay. Brandon, who do you like? Yeah, I like the Sixers too. All the same reasons. Um, They're healthy now. And you've got one team that's finally healthy and ready for this last month. And a team that I think is going to be very motivated to close out strong, finish the year as the one seed and in take home court into the playoffs. I think Brooklyn thinks that they don't care. I think Brooklyn thinks they're the Lakers and whatever, we're the best. We'll just get healthy and get to the playoffs and we'll beat everyone. We don't really care what seed we are. I guarantee Philly doesn't think that they, they would be very interested in getting out of that two, three seed matchup. I'm not so positive. Brooklyn thinks that, The Nets have four more road games than the Sixers left. They also have a lot of games left against like those fringe teams fighting for the play-ins. And we know that Brooklyn struggles against those sorts of teams. Like we've seen them struggle in those games all year. The Sixers actually, their next six games, they got Nets, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, and then Bucks twice in a row. It's a rough stretch, this next six. But after that, they don't play any other top 10 teams the rest of the way. Their last two games are against Orlando, which are just free wins if they need them to try to win the division and close it out. Um, for me, I, I had the Sixers, before I looked at the numbers um, of what the pricing was, I put the Sixers at about 65% to win the division. I was shocked that they are not the favorite here. And at 65% for me, that would put them at near minus 200 being playable. And I, I wouldn't play it that high, but I agree with Raheem. Certainly, like w- with them favored tonight and with Durant and possibly Kyrie out, that effectively, if they win, puts them up two games in the tiebreaker because they're up one and on the tie. And I just don't know if the Nets even care enough to close that out. I, I think it, you know, that futures are a tough play because you're waiting so long on your money. I know Raheem does not like to do that very often. This is different. We're only a month away. Like you can wait for a month for your money. And at even odds on Philly, as long as they win tonight, your money is in really good hands. Yeah, I've got, uh, I had Sixers back earlier in the season and got a pretty good number on it. So I don't feel any sort of, I don't feel any big push um, to, to bet this now. I will say that like the, um, mm-hmm. The ideal for me is for the Nets to somehow win tonight. Right. And then that number goes even higher. And then I would bet the Sixers based off of what Brandon said, which is the Sixers are the better team this season versus teams below 500. They're 19 and five straight up. The Nets are only 17 and nine uh, versus teams over 500. The Sixers are 18 and 12. The Nets are 20 and eight. So the Nets have been lights out versus these good teams, but I don't think that the, the Nets are going to get back up for any of these games for the rest of the season. They're going to coast and they'll rest more guys. Like they will rest more aggressively than the Sixers will, even with them be coming off the injury. So like the ideal for me is that somehow the Nets win this game tonight, the Sixers blow it. And then we can go, 
the other direction. Um, let's move on and talk about the Pacific. Uh, we kind of touched on this in the Western Conference. I've got, I have several Clippers tickets to win the division, which are not looking great right now. Um, you can get Suns, but only at plus 100. The Clippers are still minus 140 at BetMGM. Do either of you have liens on whether or not there's value on Clippers or Suns here? I feel like Suns at plus 100 probably has the best value, given that they're up and leading and the Clippers may rest, right? Yeah, I, yeah, like I think that's here. the way to go. Yeah, yeah I, think, I, I think we can agree on that one. Yeah, yeah. I, the Suns, the Suns uh, to, to me, I just like looking at their schedule, I had them getting probably like 13 or 14 more wins, and they're already up. What are they up? Two games right now on the Clippers? And so, and the Clippers do have the tiebreaker if they need it, but that still means that the Clippers and the Clippers actually have played a couple extra games. So if you look in the losses column, it gets even uglier. Like I had basically LA, the Clippers, not the Lakers, the Lakers are out on this and I don't think they care. I think the Clippers probably have to go something like 13 and four or 14 and three to, to catch Phoenix down the stretch. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think they can get there. Like, this is another one where I, th- I was really surprised to see the plus 100 and, and, and I would put, uh, I add the Suns at about 60 to 70% win the division here as well. So it's, it's again, a motivation thing. I think Phoenix has a lot to prove and wants to go and get the division. I think Phoenix maybe would hang the division banner. The Clippers can't not in Staples. So yeah, I, I think there's value in Phoenix here too. Uh, Let's go ahead and skip the Southeast because it's just a mess. It's just a mess. <laughs> but I want to yeah. talk about the Southwest division. This is a little surprising me. The Mavericks are minus 1,000 to win the division. The Grizzlies are plus 800. The Spurs are plus 2,000. Just to review, the Mavericks are at 24 losses. The Grizzlies are at 25. The Spurs are at 26. Like, there's a two-and-a-half game differential between the Mavericks and the Spurs, and the Mavericks are minus 1,000. I may talk myself into the Grizzlies here. Like, I'm sorry. I'm getting eight to one with yeah. a month left to play and a one game differential in the loss column. And they play tonight. They right. play tonight. That's and so this, well, this is the other thing, right? It's like if the Mavericks win tonight, then I'm going to, I'm going to definitely wait for tonight and see how this goes. But if the Grizzlies win tonight, I may have to grab Grizzlies at plus no, 800. You can't, you can't wait for tonight though, because you have to play tonight and, you're right. If the Grizzlies lose tonight, then your bet's in trouble because losing tonight loses the tiebreaker too. And they go down two and a half, then effectively three with the tiebreaker. If they lose tonight, it's over. Your bet's gone. But if they win tonight, the value is gone. You have to play tonight as though you're playing a Grizz money line tonight and their chances to win from then forward. So if Memphis wins tonight, they're half a the game back. They still play one more time. So they, you would hope you really would need Memphis to win that other game also so that they get the tiebreaker. It won't move that much though. Like it's not, it's not like if they win the night, it's not going to jump to like, yeah, it's, it's not going to, it'll stay plus hundred or better. And then also, I mean, the, the Grizzlies are on a, what do they have? They have a seven game road trip coming up. So it's like, <laughs> you could, you could wait on this. Like, I mean, they have the Bulls, Bucks, Nuggets, Clippers, Blazers twice, and then the Nuggets again. So that's going to, that stretch right there is going to decide everything. They, so, yeah, they do have the seven road games. They lock into getting to play Denver twice in that stretch, a much easier Denver matchup than it was a week ago, unfortunately, for the Nuggets. 
The schedule in May is crazy soft, though Dallas's schedule is super soft also. Um, I, I like Dallas a lot. When we were looking at, at positions to, to bet on, you know, building a West position, I, I like Dallas as a sleeper. I think they're a team that, like, they're playing so well. They're 21 and 11, I think, since the start of February. And I, I see why they're the clear favorite here. Minus a thousand is insane. They should not be that clear of a favorite. That's nuts. And to me, like the Grizzlies, to me, if I had to put a true line, I put them at about plus 450 or plus 500 to what I think they actually ought to be. And not only is it's, it's plus 800 at BetMGM, if you look at some of the other books, I've seen as high as 1100 and 1300 on the Grizzlies. 1300. They're, they can be a half a game back if they win tonight. That's insane. And there's no way 1300 is sitting there tomorrow morning if Memphis wins tonight. Yeah, I think it's a no bet. I think you got to wait. Yeah. I, want, like, yeah. I just think you got to wait. I think you, you have to wait and yeah. see what happens with this game tonight. I think it's too important for how this may shake out. That's our marquee. Before we move on here, we want to show you some love for our sponsor, the Athletic Brewing Company. The LA Clippers have won six straight games. Do you know what their secret is? Sure, they've been playing cohesive team basketball. And sure, some of these opponents have been bad. But I'm talking about their real secret. That's right. They all stay totally sober during every game. It's true. You can't become a dark horse pick to win the Western Conference by getting loaded by halftime. And that's where our friends Athletic Brewing Company come in. Because for years now, Athletic Brewing has been making some of the most flavorful beers money can buy. Beers that celebrate the innovation of a great craft beer, but without the alcohol. So if you want to take it easy on the booze, Athletic Brewing's award-winning beers are a great option. If you want to support this show, head to athleticbrewing.com. Check out their selection and place an order using code ACTION15. ACTION15 is your code, and that gets new customers 15% off their first order. And if you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order and enjoy great taste while keeping your gambling edge. All right, next time we're here on the Action Network NBA podcast, I ha- we have to do it every week, and that's thanks for nothing. Good teams win, and great teams cover. But some teams do neither. This is Thanks for Nothing. And it's too late, baby, now it's too late. Though we really did try to make it. It's the teams that lost and failed to cover so Raheem was on with me last Friday for a lovely bet cast, bet stream on presented by BetMGM, I might add, on NBA League Pass. You can catch us every Friday. We have a game uh, this Friday, which is going to be a complete disaster for me because it involves the Charlotte Hornets. I'm doing the Hornets game. No team has lost me more money than the Charlotte Hornets this season. Excited to lose even more money on them this week, as I always bet the, the bet stream games. We felt good about the Sixers. I bet the Sixers pregame. I bet the Sixers live. I bet the Sixers live again. And they just completely face planted versus the Pelicans. Just absolutely face planted. The Sixers are not the Clippers in terms of being frustrating. They're not not frustrating at times, though. Like, there are these times when the Sixers, you could just look at it and be like, why can't you guys just get out of your own fucking way? Like, just one time, can you get out of your own way? That was a really frustrating game to bet, Raheem. Oh, yeah, that, that was ugly. Um, I have no idea what happened in that third quarter. Um, but it just, you know, it goes to show you that if, if a game is on the best stream, one of the teams is going to forget how to score, and that's exactly what happened. And, of course, you know, we had to deal with the issue of the rotations where they didn't put MB back in, into the game until it was too late. Um, and, you know, we, we've spoken about that time and time again where these coaches don't want to break rotation. So 
it's it's very frustrating. <laughs> Brandon, do you have a thanks for nothing this week? I do. My thanks for nothing is as a Timberwolves fan, and is thanks for nothing, Glenn Taylor and future A Rod. Thanks for nothing for selling the team. Thanks for nothing for not letting Kevin Garnett ever come back and get his number retired and hang in the banners. The only great player in franchise history. Just all of it. Thanks for nothing. Stay in Minnesota. Please keep our team at home. Thanks for nothing, Glenn and A-Rod. What did A-Rod do? Well, among other things, he signed for $252 million, which... (laughs) just happened to coincidentally be exactly twice as much money as Kevin Garnett's record signing just because he could just because so just what we needed one more reason despite the only basketball player that matters in Timberwolves franchise history and he's A-Rod that's what he did it's really weird that here's the thing with Taylor is that one Taylor was very helpful in all the um lockouts he was like a voice of reason in a lot of those of, of those instances of trying to get the, the league back on track um operating in a small market i don't know like it's weird the the, the stuff with with garnett is obviously a bad look like there's just no way that that's not a bad look um it has never seemed to me based off of everything i've ever heard that kevin garnett is the easiest person to get along with right <laughs> it's not like we're talking about dirk Nowitzki here brandon <laughs> like we're not talking about like we're not we're not talking about like even like chris paul who seems like a pretty amicable guy off the court when he's not trying to punch you in the testicles. Like it's Kevin Garnett. It's kind of a crazy person. Um, I'm not trying to defend Taylor. The, the team was obviously a disaster during his time there. Um, but I think you, like, shouldn't you be like, thanks a rod for buying the team? Like I wouldn't say thanks for nothing. Like, don't you want new ownership? At least one that's theoretically willing to spend. And there's a, apparently language in the agreement that says that they can't move the team, which you got to feel pretty good about. Yeah, I mean, again, I come. You're gonna make this into something bad because you make everything about the Bulls. I'm a Minnesota sports fan. This is my sports nihilism. Here's what's gonna happen. I can already see it (laughs) coming. The Timberwolves are gonna luck into the draft lottery. They're gonna get Cade Cunningham, Cunningham, Carl Towns, Anthony Edwards. They're gonna look super great in Seattle uniforms in like three years. It's all happening. A Rod, just just get over with. Timberwolves. Timberwolves Twitter has been in in a dark place over the last week since this news came out. Not that we're not usually. Yeah, as opposed to the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, you got to be more positive. <laughs> unless unless it's Ricky Rubio, you guys are pretty sour about everything. So, all right, final segment here. It's back. Oh, I got, I got, I got, I got one. I got one. You got one. Okay. Yeah. My thanks for nothing involves the entire NBA. Every <laughs> single game has all of these injuries. We have no idea who's going to play until the game start, and I'm tired of it. We're all writers. For the Action Network, you have no idea how difficult it is to write a game guide when you have no idea who is going to play basketball. Oh. I'm frustrated. You're so new. You're so new. You're so, in that you're new to this and that you think that people are going to absolutely hate you for complaining about your job writing about basketball because that's the thing. is like, oh, poor guy has to write about basketball and figure out whether Embiid's playing. Oh. But you know what it is? It's not even just that. It's also the fact that we're providing people with content to bet on. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. And it's just like, I, I want to give people winners. Like, right, right. And it's just but, like, let's, it's let's literally every single game. 
Credit where it's due, though. Thanks for nothing to the NBA for trying to schedule 72 games in like a three-month period so that we can get the Olympics, which no one's going to be healthy to play for anyway. Like, that's the real problem here. Yep. And that is a real thanks for nothing that we can actually be ticked about. So schedule Look, Jamal, Murray might have, Jamal Murray might have suffered the injury anyway. Like, this, that's how this stuff goes. Like, he, he might yeah. just it might have just been been coming. Like, Jamal's hard. You know, Jamal plays really hard. He tries to play through injuries. He doesn't rest when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been a problem with him. He was, he, he had right knee soreness. Like it wasn't a problem. It was honestly like admirable. It was cool to see a guy that was like, no, I'll play through injury. Cause so many guys are like, I don't feel good. I'm not going to play tonight. And it was cool seeing a guy that will like, he would fight the training staff to get back on the court. Um, he had right knee soreness. This one happened to his left. So like it just, it just happened. But I'll just tell you that like, as a, as a guy that covers the nuggets, like I'm always going to think that the league is responsible for it. I just am like, they gave they gave these teams that made the Western Conference or gave the conference finals a month and a half to two months of rest. He came in cold. He never he got he got he started off hurt because he didn't have any ramp up period. I think um, I, like because there's there's people who there's people who are going to push back on the fact that these guys had four months off. Um, what do you say to you know people like that? Four months off. I think that's insane. Yeah. No, I mean, they had four months off in between the end of the regular season and the bubble. And then they played, um, you know, pretty much the, 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 the regulation games and then they had the playoffs. What do you say to the people who, who say, oh, yeah, these guys rested plenty? Because I think a lot of it is, is I think this is, what, uh, this is one thing I've learned, at least, is that you need a ramp up period. Like you need to gradually increase your intensity level. OK. Um, and like that's a lot of it because Murray's talked about that, about how. The, because he, they knew the playoffs where the next season was going to start. Like one, they didn't know, right? Like everyone went into the lot the first month after the season, being like, "Oh, they're probably going to start in March." I thought they were going to start in March. That's what yeah. I heard. Like everyone yeah. I talked to in the league was like, "Yeah, it's probably going to be March." Um, and then all of a sudden, it was like, uh, "No, we're starting on Christmas." And so Murray went from nothing for a month after playing like fifty minutes a game to high intensity. Mm. And that like, he's talked about how like that was like a problem for him that there wasn't a normal ramp up period. Like athletes are all about routine. They're all about schedules. Like, a lot of this stuff is like carefully determined mm-hmm. and messing with it. I think is and messing with the, the way that they mess with it, with the amount of travel, it, it just pretty clearly caused. Problems. Are, are you saying Raheem that the four months you're talking about, are you talking about like the start of the pandemic when there was the yeah. big break? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I haven't said stuff like that, but I, yeah. you know, every time I every time I speak to people, you know, you have a subset of sports fans who, you know, think these guys aren't tough or right. they're just lazy or just complaining. And I, I kind of wanted to speak to that and, you know, just yeah. get some insight on, you know, and break down why maybe that's false. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, to, to those people who are saying that, cause you're right. I have heard that as well. I just think that's insane. Like who among us got to July of last year and was like, Oh, what a great four months off. That <laughs> like, what the heck? These are humans. Yeah. These are humans that dealt with pandemic and dealt mm-hmm. with the political climate and dealt with what was happening socially. I was exhausted at the, you know, by the time we got to July, I think all of us were, I think the entire world was like, that was not four months off. It might be right. four months off of playing professional basketball games, but it was not off from everything else happening in life. And I think it's insane to expect that that's, that's what these basketball players, like these are basketball players who are humans too. And if anything, 
for many of them, it was four months on, like they were as involved and emotionally, physically, mentally as any other time period. I I think that they came to the bubble more exhausted, not rested. And Brandon thinks you're insane. And that's somebody who thinks that Joe Ingles can win six man of the year. So Oh, it's down, it's down, it's down to six. six oh, we're getting there. 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 I hear you playing hype man for Brandon Raheem. I hear you. We'll get there. Let's go to back to the future. Back to the future. All right. So I want to talk about this actually in the, in the context of this. Back in the olden days, before we had widespread legalized gambling in the United States over the last two years, right? State by state, hopefully your state is catching up and check out the Action Network for more on that. We've got updated tracker for every state to let you know when you can expect it in your state. Um, cash outs weren't really a big thing in a lot of the books that were used, right? So when people were betting on sports, cash outs weren't really a thing. But now, BetMGM in particular actually does allow you to cash out when your value increases, like you can actually get money out by betting something that's going to increase in value. It's very much like betting a stock, right? Like this is as close to like stock betting in sports betting that we have. So like Brandon, like if you had bet Joe Ingles back when you first made this insane claim, now he's gone up and he's like, he's uh, tell me Raheem, what's the numbers? Plus 600. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was like I think it was plus one twenty five. It was one hundred twenty five to one at that point. Yeah, right. So you now have the ability to cash out these bets. So my question on Back to the Future for the two of you is: Is this something that we need to start factoring in? Is not just what bets will win, but what bets we think have a good have a good percentage chance of being able to cash out, even if we don't think that they're going to win, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, I think so. The problem is that if you're the better, and, and I'll be the better in this case, because I'm the one who's playing these crazy long odds and then gloating when they get to 600 and then shutting up when they lose anyway, like you have to have, you have to make the call to sell your ticket because, you know, depending on, on you know, we, we've already had, there, there are things like prop swap and places like that too, where you can sell these off, even if you, uh, can't close out your bet at whatever book that you're playing. And, the you know, just because Joe Ingalls gets to 600, you still have to make the decision to say, okay, I think that this is where now I have to sell my stock. Now I have to admit to myself that the bet that I was really excited about, that I really thought was going to make a run here and is making a run and now looks like he has a chance. Now people are talking about him. Now I'm going to sell and actually say that I was wrong. He's not going to win. Now I'm going to take home part of the money that I thought I was going to get, but not the big, big payday that I could get if actually I'm right. But you're not going to win, Brandon. I know. That's why I'm saying, though. I'm just saying if, if you're me and you're the one playing these super long shots and, you, and you've got this long ticket, even if you put $100 down at 125 to 1 and now it's at 600 you're, you're, you're getting a profit, but you're not getting that profit. You're not getting the $12,500 if he does win a profit. And I, I, I'm fully like, that's, that's the flaw is that's why playing stocks are hard because 
you have to be able to buy low, but you have to know when to sell high too. And with Joe Ingles, this is the time. You, you should sell high. You should cash out. He's not going to win in all likelihood. We know what the voters do. And when he is the, you know, the runner-up favorite, you can't get any better value than that in all likelihood. This is when you should sell. The problem is if you're the person that invested when it was a baby at plus 125 or 125 to one, it's hard to sell that baby at less than what you hope the full value is going to be. It's really hard to be the better that can do both sides of that, I think. Raheem, what do you think on that? I'm really not that big of a fan of the cash out feature because I don't think they give you what the bet is truly worth at that time. So for me, I would rather, you know, you'd rather, sell wait, my so you'd rather you'd rather just hold out, hold out and lose. No, I was going to say I would rather sell my ticket on like something like prop swap or try to hedge with another player. But if you're doing it with, you know, something like Joe Ingles at, you know, 125 to one and you have to lay 380 on on Clarkson, you're you're kind of in a tough spot. But I think um, but I think part of this, though, is like. Well, I'm thinking about more of is is talking about preseason taking positions on players to win awards and then cashing yeah. out later in the year when those numbers drop. Like that to me seems like what where there's like because by the by the middle of the year the value on a guy for MVP may have dropped dramatically and so you may be mm-hmm. looking real like your ticket may have a lot more value. Like right now, if you had a Dame ticket from preseason, you probably gain quite a bit if it's got cash out available. But Dame's not going to mm-hmm. win. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, so, I mean, this is one of those things where I hear what you're saying because, and this is like a weakness of mine is not giving up any edges, right? Like don't give up any edge on the price, Mm -hmm. but I'm also like, yeah, but like, if I see, I see an opportunity for me to make money, that's what, like, that's what I'm looking for here is like an opportunity to, to basically buy low on something and then sell high yeah. on it without having to worry about the outcome because the outcome is always like the concerning part. Like, I don't know yeah. what most improved player is going to do right now. Like I have no idea. I have no yeah, idea who's one of most improved player right now. Like I think Randall's still a pretty considerable dog. And I feel like he's the best value on the board. Julius Randall. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. I, I feel like there's, this is something that we have to start factoring into, at least in our analysis. When we talk about, yeah. when we talk about, like next year, when we start looking at at awards futures, that's going to have to be part of the conversation is not only what's the value that you can get them at to win, mm-hmm. but what, what, are, what are the odds that you're going to be able to cash out this bet later for return? Now, some of this isn't going to like you can't, right? Like, yeah. my, like my Jokic position is locked, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, it, I think I, don't, more, like, I actually don't like, think um, BetMGM even offers like cash outs. They on, do. Um, oh, they do. Oh, they do. Oh, they do. Because <laughs> as soon as Jamal Murray went down, I went on as soon as soon as he as I saw the injury, I cashed out of every Nuggets position that I had. Wow. Maybe maybe it's a state by state thing, because I have some futures in bet MGM that they won't let me cash out of. So uh, you got to check. You got to check and see. You like you need yeah. to find out whether or not you can. I, I do think rep. I think that it's a it's a good point you're making, Matt, because I think mm. especially to a better like me and I think to a better like you, Matt, I, I think mm. that this is a really good opportunity to like I think one thing that I have shown that I'm good at, even through this podcast, is pre-betting the narrative. Like looking ahead yeah. to here's the story that I can see coming down the pipeline. This is where the conversation is headed, but the conversation's not enough. Like 
the conversation started and your odds got better. And now Jalen Brown got up into the conversation. Now Jalen Brown's back out of the conversation for most improved player. For a while, I was looking really nice and I should have cashed out if I had a cash out option at the book I played, which I don't. And now it's back to being at worse odds and where it started. But I think, you know, Matt, you're always talking about bet the narrative. I think that I think that all of us have learned how to like pre-tell the narrative and to to think of where the narrative is heading and what the next story is coming down the pipe, looking at the schedule ahead and seeing like, okay, this guy's out or this schedule is coming. Where is the where is the story headed in January, in February, where it's way too far to go on these awards, but where you could, you know, buy the stock, hold it for six weeks and then sell it later. I think that you're right that there is an angle there. Like I've, I've said for years, man, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't bet a lot on sports, but I wish that there was a sports stock market. I wish there was a way to buy mm-hmm. and sell things. I'm not so great at finding the true winners. I'm pretty good at finding guys whose odds are wonky and it should be different. And if, if this is a way to play that angle, I think if you can find the right ways to play it. Yeah. Like yeah. you're, you are who I have thought about with this. Because you've mm. taken all these absolute positions where I'm like, that's insane. But then they wind up being in the conversation. And so their odds get like cut in half. And there's right. got to be pretty good, good value on getting out. Like I would love to see like what Harden, what the oh. value on Harden was when you right. proposed betting Harden for MVP versus yeah. if you were to cash out right now. Like, yeah, it was yeah. 33 to one then. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the flip side of the argument for someone like me, the way I play futures and play long shots is that you play low amounts on a bunch of long shots and you only need one to hit one out of every 10 or out of every 20. Mm. Like I'm not playing these plus 200s and plus 300s and then sitting my money on that for months at a time. But if I put a low bet on a 33 to one and 125 to one and all these, I'm going to lose almost all of them. I know that. Mm. Like I put that money in, it's gone. You know, I put, I put a bunch of money on Kevin Durant to an MVP Felt pretty good about it for about a month or two. Cashed out a while back on that one. I could cash out because it's obviously not happening now. But I think the flip side to the cash out option is that if you're playing low unit bets on these futures, you treat that money as as it's gone. Like you like you just bought into your March Madness pool. Like you're not winning. You're not gonna win. You're gonna get the whole bracket wrong, but you might win. And if you play a bunch of times and your strategy is good, if the process is right and you're finding the right values and 33 to one on Harden really should have been five to one or eight to one. If you do that bet 33 times, you should win one of them or you should, you should win more than one of them. If your odds are right, you should win like five of them instead of 33 of them. And so I think that's the argument against cashing out is if you're playing the process right, that every now and then one of your long shots does hit because you were right about the odds. How can you be such an optimist about your futures and such an, a pessimist about the bulls and the bulls? <laughs> Just really crazy. It's a great question. Oh, I don't have an answer. Oh, we we got to talk about the bulls because <laughs> honestly, and I hate to say it, but Vucevic might be an empty stats player. No, like, let's wait. Come on. Let, <laughs> let's let's just give them a little bit of time. I get, I get them a little bit of time, but. Look, I understand how it looks. I get it. I get it. It's been a bad <laughs> run. Levine's been hurt. I get it. I'm not willing to bail on them, on them yet. I'm just not. Like, the other thing I'll tell you is, like, I would bet you that, like, I don't know, every, Arturis Karnasovas did not make this deal 
to make the playoffs this year. It wasn't like he was like, we're going to trade all these assets so that we can make the playoffs this year. That's not, no. Like, there are other moves coming. They will improve the roster. I feel like, I, I think they will, they will come out of this. I think they're in a bad stretch. I think they'll come out of it. I think, I think it's way too early to start calling Boots that. I just don't know how the defense improves with him at center. That's what I'm worried about. But, look, but here's the thing is like, it sucked before. Like, it sucked with Wendell Carter Jr. on the floor anyway. You can do it. This is the biggest thing. You need better perimeter defenders. Like, if you're going to play drop, your perimeter defenders have to be great. The perimeter defenders haven't been good. Like, mm. that's part of it. Okay? I, so, mean, you're, I mean, Levine is one of them. Yeah, no, he's one of them. But you, if you surround <laughs> those two with three good wing defenders, you can be fine. Yeah. Like, you I, can be fine. Because, like, and like, if you want proof of that, the Portland Trailblazers are the sixth seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, the problem, I think, is not that necessarily that Vooch is a good stat, bad team player. I think the real problem is that he's a good player who is tough to build around because you need a bunch of really good defensive wings, and that is the hardest thing to find in the NBA. You can build a good team, but it's, it's much harder now to find those pieces to build that really good team. I think that's the real problem with him. I, I just think, yeah, yeah right, right, right. I, I can live with that. I can, I can live with that. That's, that's, I, I like that, Brandon. You're right. So, like, I mean, here, I will tell you this, though. Um, so, Raheem, do you think Patrick Williams is going to be a good defender in the future? <sighs> Probably. Like, yeah. he's got, he's got, he's got yeah. length, athleticism. You watch him, yeah. you get on ball. Okay, they have a 119 defensive rating with him on the floor since the trade. And it was bad before. He is inexperienced. He's just a rookie. Okay, yeah, that's true. Okay, so, like, that's a large part of this. Um, yeah. If you want to look at the other guys, like Aminu, they've been good with Aminu on the floor. Garrett Temple's got a 118.9. That's part of it. Like, yes, they're having trouble building around it. It's tough to build, I think, around Sadoransky and Vucevic. But I do think that, like, as they adjust the roster over time, I think they'll get better. I also will tell you this, like, Billy Donovan, his defenses get really bad. And then they have sharp improvement curves once guys start to learn the principles. That's been Mm. Donovan's, like, M.O., since mm. he came in the league, like the oh. Thunder in 2016, I'm not kidding. Yeah. The Thunder and Diva in 2016 tried like eight different coverages, and they all were terrible. And then they figured out like the the frequency of what worked, and mm. they took off in March. Like, yeah. So you, I'm not you, saying you, right. I remember that. I definitely that level, remember that. But they'll get. I I feel like they will get better as they get used to to Donovan's principles because like not all drop coverage is the same. So yeah. that's where I'm at. All right, that'll wrap it up for the Action Network podcast. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the great shows on the network as we continue to to get you covered for MLB, NFL futures, the draft, all sorts of stuff to get covered there. Make sure to follow Raheem and Brandon as they continue on the Action Network app on the great run that they've been on. Follow me Mm -hmm. as I continue to lose money on the Charlotte Hornets. Check me out on BetStream on Friday. That'll be a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. We have Heat Check on Wednesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Check out Action Network HQ on Twitter for that. And we'll talk to you guys again next time on the Action Network podcast. We're finished talking.